Peter Kafka, welcome to the talk show. Thank you uh, for having me on the talk show, John. I have been on your show. You've never been on mine. Um, I'm happy to come to Philadelphia someday. I'm there with some frequency. Uh, Are you really? Yeah, yeah. I got in-laws there. Oh, well, it's a great city. I can get you good tickets for the Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's the kind of thing that floats your boat. (laughs) We always get out of town for Thanksgiving. All right. You can change your mind. So, for background, you are... What's your beat at Recode? Uh, I cover the intersection of media and technology. And who better to have on the show this week? (laughs) Good timing, right? Uh, I actually missed last week's event. I was not present at the event because uh, my family had a a long-scheduled vacation. It coincided with my son's spring break. Uh, so it's the first, it's the first event I've missed in, I don't know how many years, a long, long time ago, I had an injury that, or eye surgery that prevented me from flying. So I missed, I missed one a couple of years ago. Um, but you were there, of course. Yeah. I, I, I would not miss this one. I, 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 I haven't been to that many, but, uh, I was definitely going to make it to this one one way or another. I would have made an exception in just about any case, but this was, uh, pretty exceptional. And you know, my son's getting older, so. It was a big exception, but I had a feeling like it would be different, you know, it was different. (laughs) Yeah. There's, uh, I don't want to say that something like the iPhone events in September are repetitive because they're not the, the, the stuff moves forward, but it it's. But they kind of are repetitive, right? I mean, right. I think to to get all meta, I mean, I, I do I do get the sense, and I don't track it that closely because uh, we're not really in that business. But that these events are drawing less attention from just ordinary sort of people who would pay attention to this stuff. Uh, if you're in the business of, of live blogging this stuff or writing about it, I think it attracts less attention than it did a few years ago because I think it's a new iPhone. It's not that compelling, right? And that's sort of the meta, the annual meta response to them is hmm just another iphone and yeah <laughs> it kind of makes sense that it's just another iphone that's exactly what most people want but then it it makes the flow of the event sort of you know it's like season 11 of the iphone show yeah it's a little rote uh whereas this was all new territory and it was preceded we don't have to cover it all i did an episode before with all of the various hardware stuff that apple released the week before yeah. um but which was interesting in that they had these new things ready to go and didn't want to put them in the show. Um, they wanted the show to focus entirely on quote unquote services. There's not a single reference to hardware that I, I recall. I'm sure someone will then fact check me and say there is one, but I mean, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't remember any reference to any piece of hardware. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, other than saying that you can see these things on your phone and your iPad and your Apple TV. Yes, Oprah your- mentioned phones. <laughs> a billion devices in your pocket, y'all. Yeah. Uh, uh, so let me just start, and I will uh, – let me just read a little bit of your take. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, actually, let's let's go through these things in the order that Apple went through them. Um, and let's wait for the new video service. So the first one is uh, Apple News, and I can oh, – I kind of see why they went first with this. I mean, because obviously the, they spent the most time on the TV Plus, their new their new original content stuff. And that's where they had a little bit of star power. <laughs> uh, so you really can't do that first. You can't go from Oprah and Steven Spielberg and 
Jennifer Aniston too. Yeah, it'd be weird to end it with with magazines. <laughs> yeah, with magazines. Um, but also, it's the only thing they announced that, as of today, we can actually use. Um, That's right. So it kind of makes sense to go first. I'm I'm used to understanding them more. I, I guess the yeah. big thing, and I I will cheat. I will cheat. I'm going to go back and I'm going to say this was your take on the event. I got to read this because I think it's so perfect. You opened your your take on the event with I have some questions about Apple's new video service. What exactly is Apple going to have in its new video service? What if anything will Apple's new video service cost? Why would someone pay anything for Apple's new video service? And then your piece goes on from there. Yeah. But I, I thought that was a great lead because that was my gut feeling following this event remotely was, boy, I sure have a lot of questions coming into this event. And, and then the event came and it was two hours long. And I thought, boy, I think I have more questions. Yes. <laughs> coming out of the event and those of us who study this and those of us who know that apple's getting into this original content and etc um have been thinking for a long time what are they going to do are they going to charge are they going to charge anything there was some stories uh from some media reporters that maybe the original content they would just it would just be free if you had an apple device we yeah. don't even know uh, that. i'm in i'm in that group by the way but we I, can talk about it right i'm just saying we had these big questions where you know is it going to cost a lot? Is it going to cost a little? Will there be a bundle? What will be bundled? What could you get together? Will it be free? You know, which is what they've done with the the meager offerings they've had so far, like car, carpool karaoke and uh, yeah, that app. Planet show. of the apps. All right, Planet of the apps. Uh, we. It, it's strange. The thing for me that's strange as somebody who's a very close Apple follower is to come out of an Apple event with more questions as, as usually I come out with very few questions or the questions that I have are esoteric. You know, it is yes. something like, well, wait, wait a minute. You're saying that the 12 inch iPad pro has one gigabyte more Ram than the smaller iPad pro, you know, something like that. Uh, not, <laughs> not what are you doing? <laughs> yes. Why did you do this? Those are the, the two main questions, I think. Well, and I thought maybe the best of your questions, too, was why would someone pay anything for it? You know, like, why would I buy it is sort of what Apple specializes in at these events. Like, here's why you want this. It, they're very good at it. And they're at their best when it starts with the product. Uh, and that the, you know, they're not selling you on the product. They're letting the product sell itself by accurately describing what it is that makes it compelling. Yeah. I don't know what the point of having this event so far in advance of having this stuff to sell or even show is, um, I saw you were floating some theories. I, I just don't get it. Um, I buy the argument that the fact that you and me and everyone else who's closely watching this is confused by it or maybe disappointed by it won't necessarily matter when they when it comes time to sell it. Apple's really good at selling things. They'll have a lot of ways to sell it. They'll be selling it on those billion-plus phones. Um, and it won't really matter what, what John and Peter said in, in April. Um, but why do an event in March if you don't have the thing ready and can't answer basic questions? I don't, I don't get the point of that at all. Yeah. And so before we get into the specifics, my, yeah. two of my theories. Uh, one is that other media companies, they require their partnerships for most of these things. They require the, you know, by definition, the partnership of uh, magazines and newspapers and online publications like right. TechCrunch and Vox Media um, 
to to get them into the Apple News Plus bundle. And they require the participation and agreement of the TV networks that are going to be in this TV channels product. And they, you know, and then to, it's not quite an organization, but the creative people who are making these TV shows and movies for original content are from an industry that is a lot more leaky. leaky. <laughs> yeah. That's how I do my job. Right. I, it's just, and you know, and there have been some good stories, some of them by you about like the culture clash between Hollywood and Apple, where it's just, you know, like, like things that. Hollywood is used to keeping secret are, you know, what happens at the very end of the Avengers movie, right? That's right. that's a secret that yeah. they are culturally equipped to protect. So if this was about what the new iPhone was going to be and it was going to have a radical departure and was it going to have 28 different – whatever, the, the some amazing spec, I, I could see you want to get out in front of that. Um, in this case, I mean, there was no surprise about what – the Apple News product was they bought this thing called Texture a year mm -hmm. ago. Um, we all knew they were going to make it this service. They pretty much said that. Um, there's not a lot of secrecy involved there. Uh, most of the terms were sort of well known. And the TV stuff, Apple has been announcing for the last couple of years. They said, we've hired the guys from Sony. And then every week or so or every couple of weeks, I get an email from someone in Apple Com saying, this is on background, but we just wanted to confirm that we've ordered a new show. And that, that email is always timed to exactly when the Hollywood Reporter or Variety then writes a story about that new show being picked up by Apple. So they're doing it in plain sight. They are, they've been announcing all this stuff. The only thing they haven't announced is what they're actually going to do with it, which they still haven't announced. Um, so I don't I don't get the 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 secrecy deflator theory there, or the leak deflator theory. Well, I I, I don't either so much, which leads me to theory two, which is that this show was for Wall Street, right? Which in by which I mean there is a narrative about Apple as a stock that is that they've reached peak iPhone. And, you know, arguably, not inarguably, I would say they reached peak iPhone in terms of unit sales within the last two, two years or so. They grew revenue from iPhone last year with the iPhone 10 because the price went much higher and an awful lot of people went along for it and bought it. And now with um, the, the, the fuller lineup of iPhone 10 class phones with the the super big 10 max, whatever they call it to the regular iPhone 10 S and the 10 R the average selling price is probably still higher. Um, but even there it's leveled off and it very famously without going on a, a stock market yeah. oriented episode there, you know, their stock took a bit of a hit and they had to announce that they missed earnings and there's crazy stuff going on in China that maybe is affecting them. Um, and so the basic idea is, hey, maybe this is peak Apple. You know, maybe the the ride is over and they're going to start declining. And Apple's answer for a while now, they have been beating the drum of quote unquote services. You know, with a capital services, S. services, services with a capital to S. Quote Steve Ballmer. Yeah. Um, and I, and that's what they did. That's what they did at the show. Um, right. and, and again, the, the the counter to that would be, if you want to impress Wall Street, you would say. 
here's the things we're going to sell and here's how much we're going to sell them for. And thus, Wall Street, if you're looking for new revenue, look at all this revenue we're going to make from selling subscriptions to the Oprah show or whatever it is that they're going to sell. Um, But they didn't do that either. So, again, we're we're still confused. Um, And, you know, and and they're I I can't help but think that Hollywood is still a little confused, too, because, you know, like I said, like Hollywood's good at keeping plots secret. They know that, like you know, as far as I know, nobody knows what's going on on the new episode or the new the new final series of Game of Thrones. Which is, I'm going to find out tonight, John. I'm going to the premiere. Are you not really? To, not to name drop. Yeah. Oh, you lucky. Cool. You lucky. Yeah. Yes, I'll be. I, I can't tell you about it, though. Oh, um, I don't yeah, want to. No, look, Hollywood is very confused. I, I was calling some of Apple's partners the last few days and said, what do you think of that? And they said, ah, I don't know. And one of them said, I think it's good for me, meaning that person's going to – he thinks he will sell a lot of subscriptions to his thing. And I think it's not good for Apple because it seems kind of meh for them. Yeah. Well, here's the here's the thing where I'm going with Game of Thrones. The thing that was not secret about Game of Thrones was uh, when would the new season come on? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. It has been slated for April of 2019 uh, for a very long time. Uh, and, you know, this yes. goes back to. And it's going to be it's going to be this many episodes. All right. And here's how you get it. You know, and blockbuster movies have long been the same way. There's, you know, these tentpole dates for here's, mm-hmm. you know, here's when the new Star Wars Episode Nine is coming out. And here's, they may not pre-announce the date that the teaser is going to drop, but we can pretty well guess. And I think the creative people who are involved know J.J. Abrams probably has a pretty good idea when the teaser is going to drop. Yes, here's a steady drumbeat of stuff, and there's another version of this that the, we've, everyone is referencing with with this that the, the TV networks do called an upfront, mm-hmm. where they gather everyone in New York in the spring and say, "Here's what we're going to show you next fall," which is really an antiquated way to to do something, but they still do it that way. And they will show them clips from the TV shows. They might actually show them in a full episode of the TV show if they feel really confident about it. They do a whole song and dance, um, and they wind them and dine them. Yeah, um, and this seemed like a partial version of that with again missing the part where they actually show you the shows which is also confusing <laughs> right which really was well, well let's, let's you want to you want you want to you you save that for the end yeah that's that's yeah, right. we'll work up to let's it. just take that as the preamble that the basic gist of this event was a bit of a a bit of a head scratcher all right, let me take a break here and thank our first sponsor of the show. It's uh, one of my favorite products. I mean this sincerely. Away. Away makes suitcases and luggage. Uh, and I love their products. They build them all out of this uh, German polycarbonate. It's a very fancy word for a lightweight plastic. And they're guaranteed for life. Uh, they also have newer models made out of anodized aluminum. Very fancy. Also very lightweight. They make their carry-on in two sizes the bigger carry-on, the smaller carry-on, very, very clearly named. None of this uh, grande, tall, vente stuff. Uh, and the carry-ons come with an optional ejectable battery. And what I mean by ejectable, it's very simple because I know there's a lot of flight restrictions now on taking lithium-ion batteries, and maybe they're going to, you know, you're late for a flight. Maybe you got a last-minute ticket. They're going to say, we've got to gate-check your thing, and they can't put the thing underneath. You, the battery pops right out. You don't have to open the suitcase. You don't have to dig through your clothes to get it out. It just pops. You just lift it up, click it, pops right out, take it with you on the plane. But having a big, big battery and two USB ports right on your suitcase is like the greatest thing in the world. Because no matter where you sit down in the airport terminal, you've got a charger right there. And my phone died. Every single time I go to any airport anywhere in the world, my phone is a 
immediately somehow knows and just drops to like 30%. Love it. They have fantastic wheels. My family and I, like I said, we we're just on a spring break trip. Some away suitcases, some non-away suitcases that admittedly are a bit older. Everybody was fighting over dragging the away ones <laughs> because the other ones don't roll very well. Mine is years old, still looks brand new. It is absolutely a fantastic suitcase. I love, they have a bunch of colors to pick from. They have a great interior design with what they call a compression system. It's a, basically, it's a nice place where you can put folded up shirts, put something on top that cinches it nice and flat. And then when you take them out of the suitcase, the shirts don't look all wrinkled. Uh, it's great. They've got a special little bag for putting your dirty laundry in, keeping it in there, keeping it away from your clean clothes as you travel. Anyway, I love my away suitcases. I recommend them thoroughly. I would recommend them even if they weren't a sponsor, but they are a sponsor and they have a special deal for you. 20 bucks off a suitcase by visiting awaytravel.com, awaytravel.com slash talk show and use the promo code talkshow20, talkshow20, because this is the talk show and you get 20 bucks off a suitcase. Use that code during checkout and you'll save 20 bucks. Here's their slogan, because this season, everyone wants to get away. Get it? All right, Apple News Plus. That's a quality read, man. That was really good. I liked it. I'm getting good at it. I was terrible yeah. when I first started doing it. You're this. really good. You know what? It helps when I really like the product. And I yeah, love it does it. help. Um, Apple News Plus. Ten bucks. Here's the one. The only, the only price in the whole show. <laughs> Which again, yeah. crazy, and I, you know, and and th- 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 anybody who follows Apple closely, it's like I've said, basically, as like a you and I talked when I was on your show about my career and how I built during Fireball, and it, it, for the I started this site and and the podcast a couple of years later, but I started it in two thousand two, and writing about Apple starting around two thousand two was really catching. Uh, bull by the horns, right? I mean, it's been a fantastic ride from there to here. And so when people over the years accuse me of being uh, biased in favor of Apple or I'm an Apple Homer or I'm effectively super fan, a a mouthpiece of Apple PR, uh, whatever you want to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I try to listen to the criticism and I try to take a step back and see where I might be wrong. Um, and there are times where, you know, maybe I have been, maybe I've made mistakes and I try to correct them as opposed to denying them or whatever. But basically my defense is, boy, if you've written about Apple from 2002 going forward and most of what you've written isn't very positive, then you got it wrong because they had a great run. They've had a great yeah. run. It might still be going, but with great products, uh, you know, if, if you're treating them, half your stories are bad and half are good. You're, you're, you're not doing justice to the actual story. It'd be like covering the Chicago bulls during the Michael Jordan era and saying most of the time, ah, they're okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. Um, Apple, Apple makes good stuff has consistently made good stuff for a long stretch. Very good stuff. But you know, one of the other things is that in addition to making good stuff, uh, they present it well. I think their events are tighter than most companies, far tighter than most companies events. I think they, stick to things you really want to know. I think they're truthful. Um, but I have to say, I've, I found this event very, again, I wasn't there, so I had to watch it remotely, but I found it very frustrating with, with how many questions it left. So it was satisfying, at least with Apple news to have, here's a thing that is shipping and here's what it's going to cost. And here's what you get. Exactly. Um, but I have to say with this magazines, 
it, yeah. It, it was so, mag- so you want to walk through what what this how how we got here? Yeah, I want to walk through how we got here. So 2009-ish, we know everyone knows the iPad is coming. They're not sure that it's called the iPad or whatever right. it's going to be. Um, and the magazine publishers say this thing is going to be a big deal in part because Steve Jobs has been telling them it's going to be a big deal. Um, but we do not want to we do not want to get screwed the way the music publishers, the music mm-hmm. uh, labels got screwed, where Steve Jobs said, hey, you guys are in bad shape, and I'm telling you what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to break up your $15 CD into dollar songs, and that's going to be great for me and much less good for you. It's all going to work out. Um, we, The magazine guys say, we want control of whatever this thing is going to be. We're doing a joint venture. So Hearst, Meredith, Time Inc., all, all at the time, the big publishers, Condé Nast and News Corp, get together. Um, and create what we were at the time calling like a Hulu for news because it was a joint venture. But it was it was this idea that it, you still see today, which is for 15 bucks a month, I think was the initial price, you can read all the magazines you want through this service. And they'll own the service and they can push it on an Apple device. They can put it on an Amazon device, whatever. Um, they made that thing. It was called a bunch of different things. Um, and it was never successful. No one ever wanted to use it. Um, and it eventually was called Texture. And that is the thing that Apple bought a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's crucial to remember as we get into like complaints about the economics, the magazine publishers still owned it when, they, when Apple bought it. So they got a check from Apple already, the magazine publishers. Um, and that basically is the product that's out now. Um, the Apple folks will tell you they totally redid the product. But it's, it's essentially the same thing. Um, and then what Apple has been trying to do for the last year is say, all right, magazines are great, but we need more stuff in here. We need news. So they've been courting the, the newspapers um, with mixed success. They have the Wall Street Journal. We can talk about why they're in. Yeah. The LA Times. They have some digital publishers, including my friends over at Vox.com are contributing some stuff. Um, they notably do not have the Washington Post or the New York Times. Right. But that's why this is a magazine product, in part because it's always been a magazine product, and in part because Apple hasn't been able to get the news guys in it. Um, I think the other factor that we should definitely mention, I know you know this, but I think it's worth remembering, is that when Apple first went to the music companies in 2002... Three-ish. 2002, I mean, the iPod came out, I always remember it came out uh, after 9-11, so it was 2001. Yeah. it was the iPod was at that time a Mac only peripheral and the Mac had, you know, uh, three, four, five percent, however you want to measure it of the U.S. market. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, had to have a Macintosh to use an iPod. And so it a niche product. And I think that the music industry saw it as a permanent niche product that they could. Well, we can dip our toes in this and do this thing with Apple where they're selling songs for 99 cents because it's just Apple. And that's right. And, and also, by the way, this, it's also post Napster or, you know, file sharing is, is a huge deal. But, but in, in retrospect, the music guys hadn't quite realized this. Right. Their their industry is about to go into like a decade plus slide because of piracy. Right. But I, the reason they could even get there was the jobs could even break open the, the $15 CD is because of Napster and Grokster and, the, and the, what it had been right. doing to, to sales. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think they ever foresaw that the iPod would turn into the digital music player of the decade uh, and therefore make the iTunes music store the digital music store for everybody. Um, Right. And, you know, I think that's the caution that these other 
whether it be books or whether it's the news industry or, or Hollywood or TV, everybody's yep. had since is, Hey, they did it to the music guys. And I question what I question about that though. Analysis is that without Apple, I'm not sure the music people were going to have anything anyway. It's right. It, and that, by the way, that, that, that is completely parallel to what's going on here. We can talk about that, but right. um, a lot of it, I mean, again, you have Steve jobs coming in sort of as the music industry is in a, a nosedive and saying, Things look bad for you. I've got something that's literally better than nothing. Um, and that's basically the pitch here to the magazine guys. Um, you guys have been trying to sell magazines for a long time. You've been trying to do it online. It's really not working. You guys are in a slide as well. You're, you're in the magazine business, for God's sake. Um, it, it's not going well on your own. I've got something that can help you. Um, it, the economics are going to not look that great. But if we supersize it, maybe it's awesome. Yeah. Um, it, it does seem like a compelling deal if you want to read a bunch of magazines. Nine bucks a month is really an outstanding deal for the amount it's not, of content. It's an outstanding deal if you like to read magazine stories and are deeply, deeply invested in any particular title. Where it falls apart is if you really like The New Yorker. Um, first of all, it's just not a satisfying way to sort of get to The New Yorker. And also, The New Yorker is a particularly good example here. They are spending a lot of time and effort creating online-only content. That mm -hmm. stuff won't be in there. Right. Um, but if you are someone who just sort of like the equivalent of like looking through a newsstand and picking something up or looking through your stack of unread magazines and picking something up, it's pretty cool. And if you have a little bit of motivation and you know that there's a really good New Yorker article about dinosaurs that came out last week, you can go get it. Um, and I do think it's very compelling. Um. I get to why the major newspapers – and again, I'd love to hear your take on why the journal is in, but why the Post and uh, New York Times aren't. Now, I subscribe to uh, the Wall Street Journal. I subscribe to the New York Times, to all digital editions, and I do subscribe to the Washington Post. So I looked up what I'm paying. I'm paying – $39 a month for the journal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, now, and the journal famously, very famously, all along, sort of uh, uh, as stodgy as you might think the journal uh, would be as an institution, really kind of uh, pounced on the World Wide Web, you know, back when we used to call it the World Wide Web. And also very, uh, I'm not going to say all along, I don't know about the early years, but as long as I can remember... They've had a paywall for everything. Yep. And you they, order stuff, you pay. And, you are, more importantly, your employer pays. Right. And they don't even do like a, hey, you get five a month and then you can you know delete the cookie and maybe get five more, go into private mode, and then your cookie doesn't show up and you can do this stuff. And we, you know, they don't have that. You know, it's, yeah. it is, you're going to pay us. And again, why it may have worked so well for them as opposed to others is exactly what you said, that a lot of, if not most of the subscribers to the Wall Street Journal can get their employer to pay for it. I certainly consider it as I mean, myself, I mean, it's a one-person company, but I consider it a well-justified business expense because I, mm -hmm. I, I find so much good stuff and link to so much good stuff in the Wall Street Journal. Um, but that's $39 a month, and that just all goes right to the journal. The Times is 20 bucks a month for a digital subscription. And funny enough, I just got, a, <laughs> I just got an email from uh, Schultzberger yesterday. Uh, telling me that uh, that my subscription will be going up to twenty five dollars a month sometime between now and the middle of May, which is a little and weird that he that he doesn't know when. 
you're going to pay. Um, And, you know, the Times has a leakier paywall. They do the thing where you get free, some number of free uh, articles a month and they keep a cookie and whatever. Um, But for people who do subscribe, that's $20 and within weeks, $25 a month, all going to the New York Times company. And the Wall Street, uh, Washington Post, I subscribed through through their app on the phone because I do love um, managing my subscriptions the Apple way where I can, if I ever wanted to unsubscribe, I can just tap a button as opposed to calling the New York Times call center in Iowa, <laughs> talking to some nice lady there. Yeah. Um, but that's $10 a month. I have, I have a basic subscription to the Washington Post. I pay 10 bucks a month for it. There's something they, I don't even know what they have. There's a premium for $15 a month. I don't miss anything in the Washington post. So I, I, you know, 10 bucks a month is good for me. Um, but at 10 bucks total for Apple news plus and sharing it with all of these other magazines and other online publications that are in it. And this purported 50, 50 split where Apple's taking 50% of the money overall, uh, you can just you don't have to even be good at math to sort of see why this might not appeal to the newspapers. Yeah, for the news guys, it's it, for the Post and the Times. It's very clear. Part of it is the money. Um, the Times, I think, has three million digital only subscribers. I think maybe four million all in. And they're saying, look, you know, even if we have to give Apple a, a cut of that because some people are subscribing through the, the you know, iTunes, etc. Um, fine, but you know, we want to keep as much of that as possible. We certainly don't want to give away fifty percent. And there's some more nuanced arguments about we don't want to be in someone else's bundle, frankly, mm-hmm. um, and someone else's newsstand. I think Mark Thompson, who's the the publisher, uh, or I guess maybe the CEO is the official title at the time, said something about a he had some weird reference to a British blender. Uh, but basically said, you know, we, we don't want to be part of someone else's mix. Um, we want to be the, present, the presenter at the yeah. New York Times, and we don't want to get swapped out for a competing news product at some point. Uh, there's also an issue of actually having control over uh, who has access to the subscriber, all, all those things that are all important to the Post and the Times that are very diligently building up these businesses. Yeah. Um, the Journal could say all those same things, and the fact that they're not uh, you can deduce a couple things. One, Rupert Murdoch has always had an affinity slash special relationship uh, with with Apple. Uh, remember the Daily, among other things. Yeah, um, I forgot about the Daily, also, but that's yeah, true. No, that mm-hmm. was a big thing, right? It was Steve Jobs and and Rupert yeah. Murdoch cooking up the newspaper of the future. Yeah, um, did not work. Um, but they're saying, look, we have kind of we've got all the business subscribers we're going to get. We think there are other people that would like to read the Wall Street Journal or a version of the Wall Street Journal, and maybe we can profit from that. So, again, without saying it this way, what they've done is created a product that, in theory, will not satisfy you, John Gruber, who's paying 39 bucks a month for the journal. You will find it to be sort of a crippled version of the journal. Yeah. Um, in theory, all the articles that are available in in today's journal are there. They're online. Um, they're only there for three days, and they're hard to find. You can't. It's not going to be the equivalent of, of browsing deeply through the app. Right. Um, and they, you know, again, they're not going to come out and say we've made this thing to sort of frustrate our core subscribers, but that's what they want. So they're hoping slash you uh, praying you don't you don't. Uh, dump your expensive subscription for a cheap one. And then their hope is we're going to bring a lot of general interest stories that maybe most people don't associate with the journal or, or people who aren't subscribing to the journal don't know that we do, and we're going to surface those 
Weirdly, they're also hiring maybe 50 journalists that are going to mostly create stuff just for Apple News Plus, which is confusing to me. And so we're really going to go deep on this and we're going to sort of make the journal – we would like the journal to be a general interest newspaper that attracts readers all over the world. That is our bet. It, that doesn't make any sense to me at all that they're <laughs> – well, one thing you don't get and it affects me – personally and what i do very much is that it, unless i'm completely missing something uh, if you peter subscribe to the journal only through apple news plus you don't have a, uh -huh. a direct subscription and i link to a wall street journal story on daring fireball when you click through you only get the preview and there's no way for you to log in using credentials from your apple news plus subscription you don't have you know there is the, you you need a real quote unquote, real Wall Street Journal thing to read the Wall Street Journal on the web. Yeah, I don't know how much of that is 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 feature versus bug. Um, and maybe they're just yeah. they haven't figured out how to get the, how to figure that part out. I assume that's actually fairly complicated. Um, yes. I'm, in part, just because the number of times that when I do go to a uh, publication that I am subscribing to, they don't recognize me. Um, and that doesn't sort of matter what device I'm on, whether it's an Apple device or it's the web or my phone. Um, apparently, that stuff is just hard to do. Are you talking about the journal specifically? No, I'm talking about uh, anything. Well, the journal the Times, specifically. The, New Yorker. <laughs> the journal specifically. And I've talked to Joanna Stern about this, and she's admitted the same thing that the journal's <laughs> remember me checkbox is the biggest lie on the entire internet. Well, I, I don't know. The, the, the folks who work at the New Yorker say the same thing. Oh, the there's this guy's. Yeah. Theirs is awful as well. The New Yorkers and the Wall Street Journals are terrible. The New York Times is much better, in my experience, at remembering me. Uh, and I know that there's some of the funny things is the fact that when you're on your phone, a whole bunch of apps like your Twitter app and other apps have built-in mini browsers based on Safari yeah. and you know whether or not they can share cookies or whatever. But I'm talking about when you're – I'm just in real Safari on one of these devices and I, I – <laughs> I mean, I have to log into the Wall Street Journal almost every uh, every day. It's really kind of frustrating. It's probably maybe the, there's an extra, maybe there's a more expensive subscription where they remember you. Yeah, I don't know. They can upsell you for that. Um, Washington uh, so Post. Yeah, so that's, also that's, very that's, excellent. That's, that's that's the bet for the journal. Um, what I've heard uh, is that um, this this plan was not a big hit internally at the journal. And this is very much a Rupert Murdoch and Robert Thompson with yep. Apple thing. Um, that the, the sort of rank and file journalists and editors are, are not psyched about this idea either because they're similarly confused about it. Hmm. Uh, and you can just see how the money just isn't there if 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 they saw it, it you know. And I think the Times and uh, and the Post are wise to be cautious about this. You know, like you said, I mean, if the Times has four million digital subscribers and are all paying twenty, soon to be twenty five. That is, you know, uh, going to be that's a hundred million dollars a month in revenue. Yep, that's and the the Apple response uh, off the record is three million digital yeah. subscribers is nothing. Right, we can get you tens of millions. Right, um, we can we can. It's not just that we're going to make this a bigger business. We can make this a huge business for you. Right. Um, again, if you're the Times, you say, look, I'm doing pretty well and I have full control. Uh, I'm going to go on my own for a while. The magazine guys are saying, you know what? If it's a few hundred million dollars split between a bunch of us, we'll take it. Yeah. You know, and bundles can work. I mean, that's how the cable industry has always worked, you know, where it's your one channel, the Discovery Channel, and you don't sell, you know, there's exceptions like HBO and Showtime where they, you know, you buy them individually. But for the most part, the way the cable, you know, we went from having, when I was a kid, 
10 channels that came over the air and they were all local to having a whole bunch of cable channels to go from is the bundle and whole bunch of channels, one monthly fee, and you right. get everybody, if everybody, quote unquote, everybody has cable, which was effectively true at one point, uh, there's enough money to go around where, you know, it is real money. Right. And now that model's under great pressure, which is actually Apple's right. plan slash hope, is right. that the bundle is going to break up and they'll benefit right. from that. My argument about this, though, with the magazines, or one of my arguments with it is, and I like magazines, I do, but I will admit that even... Even when I like fly, which might be the perfect time to read a magazine, it, uh, I just don't have time. I don't have time to read a lot of magazines. Uh, I still subscribe to the physical New Yorker. Uh, uh, I get a publication you're probably familiar with, The Week, which is a nice weekly yeah, wrap-up yeah. magazine. and does a really good job of embracing what print is still great at. And it's sort of like a reader's digest for what's 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 happened in the last week whether it was in another magazine or whether it was online uh uh but other than that i just and, you know and i can't say you know famously i mean i think most people who subscribe to the new yorker have a, right. a there's a stack in the bathroom or somewhere a, near the bathroom there's a terrible guilt where all i've all i've looked at this this week was the back page cartoon contest <laughs> yeah i mean i i i have the time to read lots of articles although i'm, although I'm behind on the big times murdoch piece today but but my critique there is the idea of a magazine where an editor goes and assembles a bunch of articles for you I love that idea, but in reality, Twitter's my editor. Yeah. Um, and they, the, my friends or people I follow send links around. And I, and you know, you can, you, you can argue that, uh, that maybe I'm in a filter bubble, et cetera, but that's, I get lots of people are picking my articles out for me on Twitter to a lesser degree, Facebook. Um, and so the idea of this curated set of articles that one person picked for me seems very anachronistic. But frankly, you know, that's what Apple News is, right, is that bundle. They just sort of mushed all the magazines together. Yeah. And a lot of folks are very happy to sort of be presented with a bunch of stuff picked by, again, human beings in Cupertino, to Apple's credit, saying we think these are things you should read. Um, the other thing, too, is that uh, the difference between a magazine and a newspaper – used to be a lot when in the print world was a lot more distinct and you know the the type of writing and the type of article you would read on page one of the new york times is very different than the type of stuff you would read in the new yorker or even time yep. or newsweek or something but now we're mostly so, talking about articles it, that's it, right. The unit is really, and, and, you know, it's just a post web thing. And in the early days of the web, I mean, in the years before I started daring fireball, before, before web blogs became a, here, here's how you do a web blog. You just have, you just write posts and the newest one is at the top and they scroll down. Um, it seems very obvious, but in the early years of, of the web, I certainly struggled with it coming from, you know, a, uh, you know, I was much younger than I was coming from, you know, running the student newspaper at Drexel, but thinking about issues and that there'd be an issue. And what do you do? Do you have an issue every couple of days? Do you do an issue once a week? Do you have a schedule? And no, you just have articles. That's the nature. And that's the, the, the atomic unit of Apple news is still, even if you have the Apple news plus, it's still the article. And the difference between an article that happens to come from the New York times or the Washington post and an article that comes from a magazine it isn't really relevant and it could come from somebody who doesn't even have a print edition like TechCrunch or Vox Media or, you know, yep. you name yeah, it. Yeah, no, and, and, and that's all as it should be. If you're the consumer, all you care about is do I like this? Is it good? Is it is it trustworthy? 
Is it come from a source that I trust and value? And that's kind of it. And, you know, look, I mean, a lot of those New York Times 3 million subscriptions are part of the, the Trump bump, right? Um, people actively sort of signaling that they want to support the Times, which is great. Um, but that's anomaly, hopefully. Um, so, you know, it, it might be very difficult to get lots of people to subscribe to discrete magazine subscriptions or newspaper subscriptions going forward. Yeah. Uh, well, what leads me to the formatting issue, which is that somebody, uh, Federico Vatici at Mac Stories went through and did the diligent work of looking at every single magazine that was in Apple News as of like a day or two after the thing. Uh-huh. And it was about a 50-50 split between uh, the magazines that were using the new Apple News format in terms of the technical, you know, how are we sending this article, and which is a little bit more like HTML and a thing that more easily reflows to anything from a big screen to a tiny little phone screen. And about half were still just doing PDFs, which uh-huh. I think is how texture worked. And it's certainly how... All of them on, you know, the iPad magazines back in 2011, 2010. Worked. Yeah, mostly. Uh, a couple of the iPad magazines like Wired and stuff tried to spend a lot of time and energy trying to make a, a new thing for digital. But most of them said, we're just going to take the thing we've already made and, and take a photograph of it essentially and put it over here. Yeah. But pages, it, it just doesn't work for me, really. I mean, yeah. it always I mean, I still read PDFs and I read things that I have to do that way. But boy, breaking things into PDF pages as the default distribution online feels still feels antiquated yeah but you're getting so much of it and it's only ten dollars <laughs> and you can subscribe on your phone I, th- I think it'll do okay i mean my i've been thinking a lot about you know what is what, what is a reasonable goal for them uh they've sold 50 million apple music subscriptions in the last yeah. how many years five years yeah um i think people like music more than they like reading um, for better or for worse. And also there's a language thing, right? It's harder to sell this in Germany or Japan, I assume. So I don't know. Is 25 million reasonable? Yeah. Um, and if you get to that, my back of the envelope math there is that's if that's the case uh, and they sold 25 million subscriptions, that's $1.5 billion to, to cut up between uh, the publishers. A lot of them would be very happy to be a, to own a piece of that pie. Right. Well, we shall see. The other thing that they emphasized, um, and it gets into, uh, I mean, it, it, I think Google and Facebook were the implied other guys, is the notion, the emphasis on human curation. And yep. uh, we want to show you what's good and truthful and important, uh, not just what you're going to click on. You know, a, a sort of anti clickbait uh, rant. Anti-clickbait and also humans are picking this stuff. It's not we're not leaving this up to an algorithm, um, and we care about journalism. You know, full full stop. They they made a point of saying that when they bought Texture. Right. Um, this is specifically about supporting journalism. <laughs> there was an article a couple of months ago where somebody had like a feature of you know how Apple News works and who they've hired and how they've hired all these professionals who have you know uh, serious careers in real journalism. And and then there was a quote from somebody who was like, his title is managing editor, and he was like, and he asked his name not to be used <laughs> because he works at Apple, and yeah, it's like yeah. <laughs> that's just like for anybody from the media world, that is just it. It's insane. Yeah. And there's it, one there's one uh, woman whose name is associated with Lauren Kern, right? And uh, sort of the public face of it. And she, if you, if you went to the Apple event, you'd see her walking around. And you could right. talk to her. That and that is sort of how Apple works, where there is a I don't know want to say for sure that it, it everybody has a VP title, but 
there is a sort of line that you cross in your career at Apple where you're allowed to be named publicly. Um, yeah. And anybody who's not they on that did, side. By the way, as, uh, I, I'm sure you notice this. They did bring up a lot of newish faces. Yeah. On stage, yep. um, one important name for for your readers slash listeners to pay attention to is this guy Peter Stern. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who does all the deals now. He's a very important deal guy yeah. uh, for Apple with the media. Um, and I, you know, I can't imagine another scenario where Peter Stern would get stage time. Yeah. Um, so that was different. Yeah. Uh, there was the guy Wyatt. Uh, I forget his last name, but he had the exquisite white jumpsuit. Yeah, that was a jumpsuit. It was the cool. If you haven't seen the jumpsuit? Go back and look at the jumpsuit. Uh, I used to do a thing years ago on Twitter. Well, for many years, where I would keep track of whether the presenters at Apple were had a had their shirts tucked in or untucked, and I would yeah. keep a tally. And you know, as a as a completely meta thing, just to goof on Twitter during the event. And I stopped doing it um, because I I. It, it was very male focused, and at the in the early years of it, it didn't matter because everybody who was coming on stage was a man, and so it was fine. But then, um, I think it was one time when Angela Arns came on stage, but there was somebody who came on stage, and her shirt wasn't tucked in or her blouse, but it really wasn't a shirt, and she looked fantastic. And I was like, you know what, this whole tucked untucked thing really only applies to men, and it's I, I think it's time to put it to put it to rest. Um. <laughs> But I, yeah, when, and by the way, and, and it was I, I noticed also that it was a diverse group of Apple yep. presenters. Uh, that was different as well. Um, I don't think that was pointed necessarily. I just think that was, but I do think that wasn't an accident. Uh, but when Wyatt came out in the jumpsuit, I thought, boy, if I were still doing the tucked untucked, I don't even know where <laughs> where that would apply. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I was I, like, I think it's would, good you retired that one. Yeah, it would have to be an asterisk, I think, but I would yeah. give it an asterisk on the on the side of absolutely winning because it was uh, it was a very cool look. Um, Wyatt Mitchell is his name. I, I wanted to make sure I got good that Googling. right. Good. Wyatt Mitchell, uh, and he did a great job. He was a designer who worked on Apple News and showed off the cool way that the Apple News formatted ones uh, really do format. You know, flow very cool between your phone and, and your iPad. So, yeah, I think I think this is the kind of thing that if if Apple announced this, you know, in a suite of other hardware devices that you could buy, we go, oh, that's probably kind of cool, and we'd move on. Uh, and the fact that we've focused this much time on on this podcast alone uh, shows you sort of like how odd this event was. Right? It's the yeah. one thing we can actually look at and evaluate and yeah. debate whether it's worth the money. Everything else is is. Th- theoretical still yeah um next up was apple pay apple card i don't really have a lot to say about this i've been skeptical all along about apple getting into the credit card business just because it just seems so odd and it seems like the most transparently this isn't a thing we would you would think of a computer company making um but there's money to be made and we like making money. Yeah, I, I will confess that I still don't really understand the, the real difference between Apple Pay and the Apple Card. 
Um, I mean, I get there are some differences, and my colleague Jason Del Rey, who actually writes about this stuff, he's really great on commerce, um, can can walk you through it if you care, um, and why this does or doesn't matter. But uh, it's mostly a shrug to me. I got a kick out of the fact that there's an actual card made out of titanium. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, if you're into the theater of it, the fact that they're paired with Goldman Sachs, who not that long ago was sort of one of the most despised brands in America, uh, <laughs> is not, interesting. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that is in the past tense, to be honest, especially judging from a lot of the emails and and tweets I saw after this. Yeah, yeah, basically, I would describe it this. Apple Pay is the way that you pay using your device. And it's, you know, and and it has But to to do that. You have to have sources and the sources could be debit cards from your bank or credit cards and uh, Apple Pay cash is their virtual debit card that you can use with Apple pay. And it's just like a bank account, uh, except that it has no interest, but it's, you know, just cash. And then Apple card now can be another source, a credit card, you know, a replacement for an Amex or whatever. Right. But the, the emphasis in the show was this is a thing you, you don't need a card for. You just carry it in your phone. Right. So it's, you know, it's effective. You know, if I was buying my coffee with Apple Pay and if I'm paying with Apple Credit Card, it, I, I get that there are some technical differences and that the, who the bank is matters yeah. to the banks. But if you're a user, I've just bought my cappuccino. Who cares? Who cares whether it's a card yeah. or Apple Pay? The thing that I find a little worrisome about it is, and again, it seems like a really good card. And, you know, I don't think the interest rates are groundbreakingly low, but it, they do seem competitive or, or at the low end of the industry. And the no fees thing is all good and the cash back is fine. But, but you know, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not doing a finance podcast. Um, I also assume that Goldman is going gonna, is gonna to be replacing whoever the weird bank is that Apple uses now for its uh, phone financing project. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, that's a good idea. I would, I would think so. You know, it makes sense. Um, and that, and that probably right is going to be a significant part of whatever bundle there is. Is you're going to buy a new iPhone and you're going to pay for it over this many installments, and you're going to get these other things when you can move that bundle up or down. Yeah. And you know, I know that every other, all, not every, but uh, every department store you go to has their own credit card, and every airline has their own credit card or series of credit cards. And you, you know, you can get your American Airlines credit card. You can get a Disney credit card. You can. I get it that all of these other companies in, in you name the industry, right? You can get gas station credit cards. You know, uh, you know, and there's a reason. I'm sure it's profitable. You know, the banks are making money and the companies are making money. Yeah, lending money is a good business generally. Yeah, I, I get it, but it also just is all to me a little unseemly. You know, my crack when they first when this first leaked a few weeks ago was what's next? Are they going to start doing payday loans at the Apple Store? Yeah, I mean, again, they 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 wrap this up in virtue, right? Um, you know, we're we're not going to do fees. Right. Um, Goldman will not Goldman will not sell your information. Right. And then there's sort of an asterisk with regards to this. Right. Because um, Goldman's definitely in the selling information business because um, that's one of the ways these guys all make money. Um, yeah, I, I just, you know, and again, I just cannot get over a titanium card. It just cracks me up. It should be <laughs> aluminum, right? Everyone made that joke. Uh, yeah, I wonder why why titanium instead of aluminum. Sounds cool. Yeah, I don't know why. I know that they, you know, remember they used to make the, the laptops out of titanium when they first went from plastic to metal. The, the original metal G4 Mac, not MacBooks, PowerBooks were titanium. Uh, I think for about two years, maybe. Um, I'm nodding my head. 
Uh, I trust you on this. The problem with titanium versus aluminum is titanium does not wear anywhere near as well as aluminum. So like an 18-month-old well-used titanium G4 had like – it it like eroded where your palms touched it. It it also reminded me of the Fire Festival uh, guy. (laughs) A lot of people made that. A lot of people. Previous to the the festival, they had the the special card. Uh, It wasn't even a a credit card. It was just a cool-looking card. It was, it was. I think it was a rebranded. Yeah. Someone else's card. They rebranded. It was great. I love that. And the entire point of the card was that it it was a cool looking credit card. It was a cool looking card, <laughs> and maybe you could hang out with some jerks in the West Village in a special apartment, <laughs> and go to places where people would be impressed, you know, and, and actually look at. Yeah. I think hey, a normal nice card. A normal human being doesn't even think to look at anybody else's card, except when they're. Uh, ostentatiously showing it off no buying a bottle service no i'm thinking like when you when you split a check with a bunch of friends and then the bill comes back and you've there's six cards and it's like all right who's who's got the green one who's 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 got this blue thing you know that's the only time anybody normal ever looks at it so let's let's stipulate the world is not gonna be set aflame by by the apple thing or 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 maybe there's a more interesting application maybe there's more interesting stuff to come from goldman and apple well, I just don't know how big a dent in the universe it makes to have a better credit card with low, yeah. no fees and nice rules and stuff like that. Um, I will say this. The 3% cash back on Apple purchases is probably worth it for me to sign up for it, even if I don't use it for anything other than the money I give to Apple every year. Yeah. Look, if I, I feel bad about the fact that my kids are spending 20 bucks of my money on Fortnite. Um, and if I could reclaim a little bit of that back from their their digital dolls they're buying, I, I'd be happy about that. Yeah. So I, I it's probably worth it just for that. But I don't want to I don't want to spend more of your time on on. Good. <laughs> I mean, we'll spend as much time as you'd like, but it's probably not worth it yeah. of our time. Uh, let me take another break here and thank our next sponsor. So good friends at Eero, E E R O. Look, Eero beats the single router model. They provide Wi Fi for the home. What you need in today's world is a distributed system. That's what offices have had for years and years, but with considerable work and expense. With Eero, you can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. So easy. Everything comes in one kit. You plug it into you plug one of them into your uh, cable modem. That's your main one. Then you just plug other ones in throughout your house. As many, you know, maybe you need two more, maybe you need three, depending on the size of your house, how many stores, how many floors you have, what your walls are made of, stuff like that. Their app will help you decide, or their website will help you decide even before you buy how many you might need. You can always add another one later. You just plug it in and then use their app to add it to your network. And all of a sudden, that additional one that you've plugged into the wall talks to it. It creates one single network throughout your home. And now you've got multiple devices flooding your home with a strong Wi-Fi signal. Now, they also have a service for Eero users called Eero Plus, and it provides complete protection for your network and all the devices. Eero Plus offers the ability to block malicious and unwanted content across your whole network, advanced security, it checks the sites you visit against a database of millions of known threats, and prevents you from accidentally visiting malicious sites without slowing anything down. Content blocking? Yep. Eero Plus automatically tags sites that contain violent, illegal, or adult content so you can choose what your kids can and cannot visit right from the Eero app, which again is right on your phone and is super, super nicely designed. Very easy to understand. Uh, And they even have ad blocking. You can get rid of annoying ads and pop-ups on all your devices. Ad blocking also improves load times for ad-heavy sites so you can browse and stream faster than ever before. 
They also have third-party security apps like VPN protection from encrypt.me, password management from 1Password, and antivirus software from Malwarebytes. All of that is included with Eero Plus. It's a great system. If you're, you're listening to this podcast, you're hearing me talk over an Eero network right now. I'm really happy with it. And they have a special deal. So you never have to worry about Wi-Fi again once you have a Eero network in your home. You can get 100 bucks off their Eero base unit and two beacons package, which is a great starter kit, probably all you need, and one year of Eero Plus. So you save 100 bucks when you get their Eero base unit, two beacons package, and one year of Eero Plus. And you can get that by visiting Eero, E-E-R-O dot com slash The Talk Show. And at checkout, just enter The Talk Show with the the... And you'll get that deal. Another another fine read. And a, and a good product, too. Apple Arcade. Again, you're not yeah. a gaming expert. I think this one... No. This one makes a lot of sense, though, to me. Just because Apple's really strong in games. Uh, the the mobile games are a huge deal. Uh, yeah, as a consumer, I looked at it and said, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm going to play those games. But I could definitely see subscribing to it and giving it to my kids and saying, right. here... One, you don't have to ask me for any upgrades. I think that was a big, a big deal, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's all, it's, it's going to be all in. And, and I'm also Apple's going to pick. Apple is going to have some sort of curatorial control over it. So I'm not going to be worried about them going to some weird, uh, weird site or app. I, I definitely, am, uh, again, if we knew what it cost, right? Um, I'd be very interested in buying it. And it's, you know, they kept this pretty well under wraps. Uh, I had a guess. I made a guess the day before the event that maybe they would add a game subscription. <laughs> yeah, I think Bloomberg had it a few days, a few days in advance. But yeah, it was it was it was quite quiet prior uh, to that. And part of you know part of what seems impressive is that these games are exclusive, or at least exclusive on mobile to the platform. It, there's some ambiguity as to what means exclusive. Like maybe I think what they mean by mobile is not Android and. Uh, Therefore, maybe these games might be on your PlayStation or your PC or something like that. But the only way to play them on a phone would be through um, through the Apple right, Arcade. Right, but these aren't the big sort of like what do they call them? AAA games, no. the sixty dollars games, and they're not the they're not the Fortnite style free to play right. games. Right? Well, so and- it's that it's 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 a specific niche of gaming, and I think they emphasized indie gaming over and over. But I mean, one of the reasons they didn't leak is that they weren't doing deals with yeah. Epic or with Blizzard. Or EA. Right. Right. And those AAA games don't really make sense on a phone, in in, right. in my opinion, and in my son's opinion as well. I mean, my son plays games on a computer, uh, plays games on a PlayStation. He does play games on a phone, but he plays different games on a phone because they just make sense. Yeah. Um, Again, I, I think this is the kind of thing where in a suite of things they're going to offer at different price points and different bundle elements, this makes tons of sense. Yeah. Well, and you said your kids play Fortnite. I mean... I think the thing that they're pushing back on on this is the slot machineification yep. of mm-hmm. the whole idea of consumer video games, um, and the idea that the people making the most money. And let's face it, Apple is making thirty percent of that revenue from those games uh, when they go through the App Store. Uh, I, I feel like even Apple itself is pushing back against that, even though they're obviously a big source of the revenue, the services revenue they're already making is coming from Candy Crush type game mechanics. Yep. Uh, and that was a big part of the emphasis to this is you're going to give Apple X dollars a month for an Apple Arcade subscription. We don't know what that is. I, I can't help but think, though, that it's going to be 10 bucks, right? I mean, 
I think that's what I would pay. Right. right? Um, I mean, what's not going to happen, though, it's not going to replace Fortnite for me. But at least I'd right. say, look, all right, here's 10 bucks a month, and I'll cut something else out. And I think yeah. this is a reasonable thing for me to give my kids for a year. And then once you're on it, you know that you're not going to be badgered for $3 for a bag of gems or, you know, yep. uh, uh, whatever. You're in, you've got everything, and there you go. And, um, I think that's a super compelling part of it. I think they also had, they did have, they didn't have the big publishers like EA and Epic and, and those, but they had indie game creator, like as a hint of what was to come with the, the entertainment, the TV and movie stuff. They had some big names from the gaming world, like Will Wright, the guy who invented SimCity and the Sims, yep. uh, you know, super clever guy with a great history and, and other people, you know, I'm not really a gaming expert either, but you know, games I've heard of, uh, Seems like a good deal. I get at a technical level, I get why this is fall because uh, it sure sounds like the, hey, these things will run on Apple TV and your phone and your Mac has something to do with this whole Marzipan thing that will make it easier for developers to cross, you know, make one, write one game and it'll run on all of these Apple devices, which would mean that there's going to be I'm guessing a huge chunk of WWDC this June, which will be divided, devoted to the technical aspects of here's how this is going to work. Um, so I get, and therefore whatever comes, whatever is announced in June at WWDC will ship in the fall with a new version of iOS and a new version of the TV OS and a new version of the Mac OS. And that's what we're waiting for. Um, but in the meantime, you know, what, <laughs> We wait. <laughs> yeah, it's coming, coming later. Uh, yeah, I, I actually, I, uh, we should, we should. Uh, it, isn't the Apple TV storefront? Isn't that up and running, or is that coming May? Uh, I think that was another thing that was actually existed, though, right? Didn't they? Already well, the channels thing, right? Right. Yeah. Well, that's next. So why don't we just go okay. right to it? Because we'll the ahead. gaming yeah. thing is, you know, so the the Apple TV channels. And this is where I'm starting to get more and more confused, right? Like I get yeah. like, so long as this Apple Arcade is 10, maybe 15 a month, I get, I get it. Okay. Let's just assume that's in there. Now we get to Apple TV channels. This is announced for quote May, which is pretty soon. You know, that's mm -hmm. next month. Um, this is the famed skinny bundle, I think is the term that's been bandied about for years. No, not, not really. No. Okay. No. What's the difference? This is this is Amazon channels. This is go. This is what you can't do is pick a bunch of cable channels that you'd like to get but are currently in some other bundle. So you can't go and get ESPN but not get Disney or whatever else. What you can do are buy things that you've already been able to buy. HBO buy discreetly. HBO, Showtime, Stars, CBS has its own all access app. That's there, so you can still buy those. Nothing has changed. Um, they're going to throw in some other stuff that you wouldn't normally pay for. Uh, and that's where it gets a little confusing. Like they put up a bunch of logos um, and I think probably should be slapped for being deliberately confusing because they threw in people who aren't sort of participants in the store like Hulu. Yeah, that, uh, that's a big one. I mean that would it's really a big have one. people confused for days. Yeah, and it's it's there's no way you would understand any of this unless you literally sort of had my job or a handful of other jobs and you were tasked with figuring this stuff out. Um, but for the regular consumer, really, there's no difference. There's I, I, today you can buy HBO, 
uh, through Apple TV. And in May, you'll be able to buy HBO through Apple TV. What might change is that pricing on that stuff might change. Um, some of the pay channels have uh, deals with Apple where Apple has now the ability to bundle them and or change pricing. Apple becomes the retailer. Um, that's different. Um, and this is, again, mostly a technical thing that matters to Apple and to the TV guys. But Apple is going to be the one ho- for, for the specific set of products that are in this thing. Apple is going to be hosting the streams uh, and delivering the streams. Hmm. Um, and so – and they made a point of you won't be bouncing from app to app, which right. I don't think really matters to most people. But it's also, again, not true because if you are switching back and forth between HBO and Hulu, you are going to bounce out to the Hulu app. I th- see, I think it does matter, but I think people don't think – most people don't think it matters. I think it matters because I think about user interface design all mm-hmm. the time. I don't know that other people, typical people, consciously think about it, but I think subconsciously they, people don't like to be confused. And when Apple changed the Apple TV, and it, again, they reuse the term Apple TV in so many ways. Like yes. It's the device and it's the, it's the app. guide. It's the app. When they made the app into a thing that surfaces individual shows or movies in the same way that Apple News surfaces articles as opposed to publications, right? Mm -hmm. You go to Apple News and the top five articles are very often from five different publications. You go to the TV app, they want to do the same thing and say, here's five things we think you might want to watch. And it might vary from a basketball game on the ESPN app that you already have installed and authorized somehow uh, to a Hulu show to maybe shows a show that's only on iTunes or something. Um, and for the most part, and it, up till now, and we'll see how much this changes in May, every time you pick one of those, you bounce out of that TV app into the app where the thing is. Right. Uh, and I th- when it works, when it works well, it's fine. Um, it's a little weird. Then you eventually you're, you're in the ESPN app and you're not right. back in the TV guide. Um, I mean, I, I think it's okay in part because it's better than not having a guide. Um, I think I think it's a relatively useful guide. I don't use it that much anymore because I got a Roku TV, and just by default, I'm using that really crummy interface. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the big problem, right, is it doesn't have Netflix in it, and Netflix right. <laughs> is, is TV for most people or lots of people. And so you literally can't just use it as your TV guide because you won't know what's on Netflix. I don't know what point will be in the edited version of the show, but on my recording, we're one minute and seven seconds in before we mentioned the word Netflix, which I was, yeah, we're going to get there. <laughs> I was trying to withhold. Uh, and there is my, that, that to me, Netflix is what they are up against. And, uh, maybe to a lesser degree, YouTube as well. And I'm thinking about my 15 year old son and how much time he spends watching YouTube. Yes. Um, there's a confusion aspect and there's also a laziness aspect, you know, uh, that you're just, I just want to watch something. I just want to be entertained and you know, yeah, and also why should I have to think about whether this thing is on Netflix or YouTube or Hulu? Right. Um, right. And this is why in the very old days when the, the record label guys were reluctantly trying to figure out digital, there were two different competing music services. One right. had like three of the labels, one had two. Of course that was a non-starter, right? right. Who's going to figure out if Madonna's on this label or not? Um, and to ask TV users to, to think that through, uh, as 
obviously a non-starter as well. But for for the same reasons, you can you know why it's very important for Netflix. Right, and there was that a, someone has to go to Netflix. And every time something like that happens, people just uh, get confused and revolt. I think there was something similar with the early days of blue di- Blu-ray versus HD DVDs. Mm-hmm. And yep. it was like there were some movies that would come out on both, and then there were some from, and it all depended on the studio. There, the studio backed Blu-ray, the studio backed backed H, yeah. HD DVD. It was all nonsensical. What you go into back then? I mean, again, this makes me sound old already, but back then you'd go into a store to buy a, <laughs> a movie, a physical copy of a movie on a spinning disc, and it's like, who the most people? Who the hell knows what device they have? You know, right? They don't know what the hell an HD DVD is versus a Blu-ray. They just know if it's you know right. going to play. So we're so we're in that world now. Um, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. In part because Netflix and YouTube are so powerful, they, and they have no reason yeah. uh, to to work with Apple. Right. Well, and YouTube is often its own universe because that what makes YouTube YouTube is not professionally produced. Well, no, I shouldn't say professionally because there's some terrific terrific. Uh, content producers or whatever they call them on YouTube, but it also doesn't matter because uh, if you're so if you're my kids yeah. and it sounds like your kid, you don't care whether it's professional or not. You right. care whether it's interesting or not. Right. It doesn't mean you don't value Game of Thrones, right? But you equally value some stupid Fortnite gaming video, right? It's something you want to watch, and you know the, it. It gets to the. It, the oldest one of the oldest adages in the world is that you know doesn't matter how rich or poor you are you know we all only have 24 hours a day there's only so much time to watch shows and boy if you can fill it all up watching youtube and netflix there's there's you yeah. know there's not much room and it's very easy <laughs> very easy at the end of the day to fill up all your time in netflix um, so on, on this one, I mean, I absolutely get what Apple's trying to do, and this is, and this is, by the way, what I think the actual Apple TV strategy is: is to run this storefront, is to run a TV guide, and to sell HBO and Showtime subscriptions and take those cuts, right. uh, take cuts of that, and that part is very straightforward. Obviously, if you could own the dominant TV guide or whatever we're going to call TV, um, that'd be incredibly powerful and valuable. And obviously, if you could take a, if you could extract rent from some of the programmers there, that'd be good too. And in fact, you end up sort of at what is a cable model, right? That's why, right. that's why I think when you hear people talking about this being a Netflix killer or a, or a cable TV bundle, that's sort of where it could go. It's just not there right now. Right. And so it's different than something like PlayStation View where you, you pay for PlayStation View, you pay like 40 bucks a month, and then you you get like a cable TV package. I mean, they do say yes. with Apple TV channels that you'll get local, you'll get local channels. I don't think so. Well, and I, see, then I don't understand how that's a TV replacement. I mean, it's again, like if you subscribe to whatever the live TV thing that you, Hulu is, you'll get them. Right. Um, but Apple certainly hasn't cut deals with local TV providers and local networks. Again, like you could get – if you get CBS All Access, you'll get your local CBS affiliate. Hmm. Um, but they're not – they are not selling – they would – at one point, they very tried very hard to do this, but they're not doing it right now. They're not selling you a replacement bundle of, of TV channels for now. Hmm. Yeah. And if you ask them, they'll say, we're, by the way, we're trying to get rid of the bundle, right. which is what they've consistently said now for several years. So if you after want to, trying to after trying to do their own bundle, right? And again, it's it's a very similar uh, experience. You know, like we were talking about, you know, having to log into the Wall Street Journal every couple of days, and you have to re-log in. I yeah. run into it. I still subscribe. I still have cable TV 
from uh, Philadelphia's favorite company, Comcast, um, partly out of apathy, partly out of that we really do, and my wife especially, really loves TiVo. Um, and it is a terrific experience, you know, and then still the best fast forwarding rewind yep. pause experience of anything because it's all stored locally on a disc and it all works very fast. And it never times out, and you never sit there. Never, 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 never. And there are no restrictions on it, right? Because uh, well, if, if you get the Hulu product or the YouTube product, I have the Hulu right. product right now. Sometimes there's a DVR that lets you fast forward, and sometimes they say fast forwarding is not allowed. And I, yeah. again, I cover this stuff, so I know why there's that distinction. But right. it's infuriating, and again, as a consumer, you shouldn't have to care about it. Right. I, I haven't read it yet. Talk about running out of things to read, but there was a, an article I saw yesterday. It's in my tabs to read a, a Medium article on the oral history of TiVo, which I'm looking forward to, but haven't really read it yet. But my, I've, I've said this on the show before. It's, it's almost tragic where uh, almost everything is, is, in the world is getting computerized. Like, I think I've got a computerized toothbrush. I really do I, at this point. Uh, Probably a sponsor. Yeah, Quip, who is a yeah. one-time sponsor. Pretty okay. sure there's a computer in there. You know, my, my Air, AirPods are computerized. They're little two little mini computers that sit in my ears. Um, and when TV got computer, most of the time when things get computerized, they get better, right? AirPods are better than wired, non-computerized, dumb electrical ear, ear, ear pods. When TiVo came about, and who was the rival to TiVo? There was the, there Replay. Replay, right. There's TiVo and there's Replay. And when they first came about, you'd put this box and you'd connect your cable to it and it would record your shows. Uh, and, you know, this was the late 90s, early, like around 2000. I remember having my mind blown some, when someone, sh like, rewound a Kobe Bryant dunk from real time and replayed it for me. I was like, you can do that? That seems, like, illegal. I remember where I saw TiVo the first time. It was in 2000. Uh, I went to work at a company, Barebone Software, the makers of BB Edit. And Rich Siegel, uh, co-founder of the company, uh, kindly invited my wife and I over to his house for dinner. And I believe it was, it might have been October, but the Yankees were on in the playoffs. And so we had dinner and watched a baseball game. And... <laughs> Like we want to, you want to go to the bathroom? Oh, just hold on here. Beep. Yeah, and it was like what? <laughs> yeah, it, it seemed it seemed not right. And no spinner, no no, you know. And then you hit another button, and we we literally went to Best Buy. And I also remember very specifically, it was Best Buy the next day, and bought the exact same TiVo that that Rich Siegel had. We we're like, oh my god, we need this. Uh, like it was almost a shame that we couldn't buy it. If we could have, if if Best Buy yeah. was a twenty four hour a day operation, we would have bought it at like. We sound like the people who went to go see the first the first uh, motion pictures and got yeah. freaked out by the train coming into the audience. But anyway, the whole point of the computerification of TV with TiVo was that it put you in control, and if you yes. wanted to fast forward, you the the person who bought this box, you could fast forward the commercials and skip them, or you could pause the show and go back. And you didn't watch anything you didn't want to watch. And now as the industry's gone forward, as we've computerized further and gotten into streaming, the computerification has taken that control away from you and given you unskippable interstitials. Yes. yes. The, the, and, and, you know, as an aside, the, the, the programmers uh, spent years trying to sue TiVo and replay out of existence, right. right, for that very reason. Right. Failed, and now they've succeeded in a way because they've now have this new way of insisting that you watch, right. you watch ads, unless of course they're Netflix and they don't show ads at all. Right. 
<laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Ne- you know, I think Netflix is, is very conscious of, I'm, I'm anti autoplay with Netflix. I would love to <laughs> have some way to t- turn all of my various interfaces to Netflix yeah. to not autoplay as my mouse hovers over something and starts making noise. But uh, at least they don't make me watch anything I don't want to watch. It's a huge thing. I mean, I, we, 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 I, I get people complaining about the autoplay and stuff like that. But, I mean, the amount of control they give you, um, you know, and again, they're at 50, 60 million U.S. subscribers. That should be the, the default yeah. for how you consume this stuff. Um, and to me, it seems like it's just a ton of pressure on everyone else to, to match that. The flip is, if you want to make something free or at least cheaper, then you, people will sit through ads. I think, you know, the I think about this all the time. Um, there's a Hulu, there's a Hulu version with ads, and there's a Hulu version without ads or with limited ads, yeah. and it's like a four dollar difference. And to me, it's a no brainer. Of course, you'd pay four bucks to not watch ads, right. but the majority of Hulu subscribers get the get the cheaper one with yeah. ads. Uh, money means something to people. Yeah, I watched my son. I forget what my son was binge watching on Hulu last summer. Um, I don't know. I, I might have been Seinfeld. I don't know what it was, um, but he was watching some old sitcom binge watching it on Hulu and it was sitting through these unskippable ads and I like got on my phone and, and like looked up and I was like, Oh my God, $4 a month here. Did you, and I was like, here, I just bought you something. No more ads. Yeah. There is a little trendlet of, of services like Tubi TV and Pluto, uh, that are free and that have some, some pickup because again, people are willing to put up with inconvenience in exchange for free stuff well basically though where i was going with this with like the wall street journal logging in is that i've got all these apps now like espn and i can get espn on my apple tv because i have a cable subscription i can use it to sign in and son of a bitch if i don't have to reconfirm my comcast thing way too often that every yeah. you know maybe not days but every few weeks and then there's some some of those apps or channels you know whatever you want to call them that I only want to watch once in a while and it's inevitable that I'm going to have to start by picking up a device going to a URL waiting yeah. for a four digit code and it's like god I just all I did was tell my wife I think we're both going to really like this show and meanwhile yeah. I've got to sit there and futz around now I, th- I think it, some of it got better but some of it's like there were the FX ones were terrible yeah. uh, you'd have to keep relogging in and then actually then, then they would limit your access within the app unless you signed up for like a fan club or something else and gave them more information and it just inevitably you just end up bailing and saying you know I'll, what? I'll pay to watch Mission Impossible yeah. somewhere else where I won't watch yeah. it I, I think we ran into that where there was a series uh, on FX, I think, with the uh, the story of Johnny Versace's assassination. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was exactly like that. Like we pay for FX, we're supposed to be able to get this app so that we can watch it whenever we want, and it was it was really horrible. Um, yep. So what's left is Apple TV Plus, which yeah. is apparently wholly separate from Apple TV channels. Um, I guess because. The idea is if you already have cable or PlayStation View or the what's the YouTube one called where you get a, a whole package of cable content, um, YouTube Live you, maybe, yeah, something something uh, that you might you might not want to give that thing up to get channels, uh, but you still want to pay f- or not pay. Who knows for Apple's original content? It's super confusing. Um, in part. 
I mean, and, and, and Apple has been very quiet about this. It isn't telling most of its partners what it's doing here. Um, they're certainly not telling people like me off the record what they're doing. Um, and so you can sort of just make some educated guesses, right? Um, so my best hunch is this is a thing they're going to give you if you're an Apple customer in some way, whether maybe you own an iPhone or you have bought some other bundle and there's some sort of incentive, they're going to throw it in for free or, or almost nothing. Um, we haven't talked about this yet, but um, Apple, a big change for Apple is they're distributing this video now and the storefront on Roku, mm-hmm. on Samsung, on Amazon Fire devices, which is yeah. pretty staggering. Um, and so maybe you'll pay something if you want to watch the Reese Witherspoon show or the Steven Spielberg show or the J.J. Abrams show. Um, but even then, they can't charge you very much because they maybe have 30 shows coming um, and they're probably going to put out two a month. And the way that the TV is sold today, you can't sell a subscription to something that has two shows a month. Um, everything else, Netflix, CBS All Access, Hulu, on and on and on, have some smattering of new stuff, in Netflix's case, a ton of new stuff, and then a huge library of stuff. Yeah, and-, um, and that's what you're paying 10 or 15 bucks a month for. And I just can't imagine how Apple charges you anything close to that. Right. I, I, the closest I can think is that they're, what they're, if they do charge something for it, it's that they think they're uh, something like HBO. But even HBO has a library. You can just go and watch all of the old Sopranos. And, you No, and on top of that, and HBO would say this for years, that the majority of their viewing was people watching old movies. Yeah. And they, so they would get you to subscribe because of Sopranos or Sex and the City right. or Game of Thrones. But most of your watching was Fast and the Furious. And right. they were very clear about this. And they spent a lot of money to license those movies from Warner Brothers and other studios um, because you can only watch The Sopranos X number of times a month. Right. Um, and you know, even CBS has a smattering of new shows. I, I like the – I call it Son of Good Wife. I think it's called uh, The Good Fight. Uh, but the the thing that most people are watching there or, – or they've got the Twilight Zone, right? But the, right. you can watch everything else that CBS has ever made. And that's the proposition. Yeah, Jordan Peele. So I don't new. see how. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, Jordan Peele's thing. I don't see how Apple can sell this as a standalone product. Now they have called it a subscription service. Um, so they, you know, but I think they still allow themselves a bunch of wiggle room. If it, if it's a subscription service that is then bundled in with other subscriptions, you can still call it a subscription service. But I yeah. just don't see how they're selling this. All right, let's pause. We'll come back to Apple TV Plus. But let me thank our third and final sponsor of the day of the show of the episode. It's our good friends at Squarespace. Look, you need to make a website, or maybe you have an old website that you ought to remake. You should check out check out Squarespace. They have everything you need. They will let you register a domain. They'll let you pick out starting template, all visual, all graphical. You do it right in the browser. It's all WYSIWYG. While you're deciding how your website's going to look, what you see in your browser as you design it is exactly what visitors to your site will see when they visit it. All sorts of components. You want to have a, you want to host a podcast. You want to do a blog. They've got it. You do it. You post your updates right through Squarespace. You want to have a portfolio if you're a designer. You want to have a store because you're selling stuff. Just opening up a restaurant. Somebody you know is opening a restaurant or something like that. Anything like that, you could do it through Squarespace. They make it so easy. They have the best analytics interface for seeing who's visiting your website that I've ever seen. And rather than overwhelm you with all sorts of numbers, it's just a really nice information design. Uh, 
and presents everything you want to know at a glance, has all the details you'd want to know. Really is a great service. They have award-winning customer service. People who go to Squarespace are very happy at Squarespace. I always say this all the time. You visit Squarespace sites every day and you have no idea because, A, they don't look cookie cutter. It's not like there's three or four templates and everybody's Squarespace sites look the same. It's very easy to customize with your own brand. And it's so easy. uh, You just don't know it. You have to like go to your browser view source and start looking for the little Squarespace things to even know. So it's really, really great in that way of just owning your own website, which I think as we get more and more disdainful of Facebook and other social media as your only your business is only uh, online face, I think everybody's sort of moving back to wanting to own their own website. And Squarespace is a great way to do it. So here's what you do. You can just start building a website today. You get a free trial, lasts a whole month at squarespace.com. And just remember this code, talk show, no the, just talk show. And at checkout, when you do pay after your free trial's up, you'll save 10%. And you can pay for a whole year in advance, save 10% on a whole year. It's like getting a couple of months for free. My thanks to Squarespace for their continuing support of the talk show. I, I guess the other thing that goes unsaid with the pricing on this whole thing and all of the lack of pricing information is that it's crying for some sort of super bundle where you pay $30, $40, 50 a month to Apple and you get music, news, TV, iCloud, arcade. Well, iCloud is the big question. I would love to see them include that because I think it's, it's a, a running years-long running complaint of mine, many years at this point, that the the free amount of storage they give people at iCloud, especially when they're buying $800, $900 yep. phones, is almost criminal. And I think it's just heartbreaking. I, I, I mean that in all sincerity, no hyperbole, that thinking about people who lose their phone or have their phone stolen or whatever and don't have an iCloud backup of everything that was on it and the photos and stuff that they've lost because they're maybe they only had one and only one Apple device, their phone. Uh, and it, it, it it's a problem we, we collectively in the industry have solved if you have enough space so that when you plug it into charge and it's connected to Wi-Fi, it just uploads everything to the server. And as disappointed as you might be when you have to go buy a new phone because you're the one was lost or stolen or it's a simple problem of even maybe it wasn't lost or stolen, but you upgrade and how do you get your stuff from the old phone to the new phone? And you don't know that if you don't have the iCloud stores that you could go to the Apple store and wait an hour and the genius will help you do it with using a computer to move it between there. People don't think like that. People may not know that you can do it. I mean, you know that there's some number of people who are losing. So I would love to see them bundle iCloud into it. Yes, and, and also I resent iCloud. I resent being forced to pay an extra $3 a month um, because I ran out of space. Um, it just because feels, I did buy a super expensive phone. And it, by the way, if they just said that was part of AppleCare yeah. and added it there and I didn't see it, I, I'd be fine. It feel, it's so just, I think, and I think they can probably do a bunch of different yeah. bundles and swap stuff in and out of that. Yeah, and make it easy to manage and easy to say, you know what? I never play these arcade games, so drop arcade from my bundle. Um but something like that that made it easier and made it one bill from Apple per month for recurring stuff would be compelling just on a simplicity front. And if you saved some amount of money, you know, where there's three things, let's just say they're all 10 bucks a month, but if you get all three, you only pay $25 a month, uh, yes. you know, is also very, very compelling to real people. 
And I, I kind of feel like they haven't worked that all out and therefore they don't want to talk about pricing of the individual things other than news, which they have to talk about because they're actually selling it already. Yeah, I just, I mean, again, I just think that they're, I just think that it's going to be free, right, to the majority of Apple users, and they don't want to say that yet. Or, and also, because once you, whenever you do put that price on that Reese Witherspoon show, now all of a sudden, when it comes out this fall, you say, is it worth this much? Right. Um, whereas if it's just sort of bundled in, you go, great, it's exciting. It's and so, free thing. so the idea would be that A, it would get people buying Apple devices or keep people buying them. But then even if you're using a Roku or a Apple or a Amazon Fire, and but they're, they've got this thing built in and you can watch the Reese Witherspoon show, which I think, I'm hoping, is going to be one of the better shows. Um, I, you know, I'm a huge Larry Sanders fan and I just love the idea of a show about a show. I think it's, mm-hmm. I think it's so ripe. For, I look. I like Studio Sixty. I'll, I, I'll watch I any version of it. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, my I like when they went to Afghanistan. My wife and I loved Studio Sixty. Absolutely loved it, and were it, it's my favorite Aaron Sorkin show ever. I was. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> I loved it, and I can't. I, I thought like, it was like a believe- parody of an Aaron Sorkin show, but I lo- I did love it. I think that's why I loved it, though, because I didn't feel yeah. like it was actually sanctimonious. I felt it was. I was incredibly sanctimonious. They were treating they were treating this SNL show as if it was the White House, right? Uh, and it, it just as important. And again, there was a plot where they had to go rescue hostages from Afghanistan. <laughs> there was a show about an SNL show. It was great. Right. I thought it was almost yeah, but I thought it was like you said, a parody of an Aaron Sorkin show, which is what made it more digestible to me. I loved Thirty Rock. I love it. I thought Thirty Rock, yeah. which coincidentally launched the same year as studio 60 which was weird because it confused me inordinately for weeks because not only were they both shows about an snl type show but the numbers 30 and 60 are yes and we also assume that the aaron sorkin show would be the one that succeeded not the one from tina fey yeah exactly so i love a show about a show so this morning show thing and uh, and it has a terrific cast i think jennifer aniston is one of the funniest actresses we've ever seen uh recently. but this 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 goes to the thing though right like so they've put out a bunch of shows and you're excited about that i was going to call it studio 60 whatever the morning show is called <laughs> i think it's just called um, the morning show morning show and maybe someone else is excited about the jason Momoa's blind show yeah. um you just don't know if any of it's going to be any good the people who are make tv for a living fail most of the time Apple, this is why I never understood why Apple came out with those two shows a couple years ago. Like, if you're going to do programming, do a bunch of it because most of it won't work. Um, So, again, sort of the best case scenario, they'll have a handful of these things will be successes, which, again, is why you really can't charge people, at least initially, for this stuff. Uh, One of the ones, I don't think, unless I fast forwarded, they didn't really mention it. There's uh, one of the shows they've got. Who was the guy who did the uh, the the new version of Battlestar Galactica? Ron. Uh, yes, I don't know. Uh, drawing a blank on his last name, but he's got a show coming up which sounds fantastic. Which is uh, the basic gist is what would have happened if the '60s space race had never ended? You sure that's not an Amazon show? No, it's an Apple show. Okay, uh, see the confusion. Uh, I I guess it's still so in the works that they didn't even tease it at the thing. Uh, sounds like a fantastic show. Um, but again, how many people are going to sign up for it if it's only six shows or something? Yeah, and six. And again, like the idea that that again, maybe you like that show. Maybe it's a great show, but but it's it um, generally those shows have to appeal to one audience or another, which means someone else doesn't like it. Um, 
I just I'll just keep saying it over and over. It's just very hard to imagine that them having enough stuff that they can sell actual subscriptions to a significant number of people. Now, if that Studio 60 show, which is not Studio 60, is thrown in as a freebie, all of a sudden you're very you're delighted to get it as a bonus, as opposed to being upset that it's not worth paying for. Uh, Ron Moore, no need to send in corrections, folks. Ron Moore was the uh, showrunner Thank for you. the Battlestar Thank Galactica, you, and uh, here's a deadline story. Uh, I think it's still untitled uh, about the uh, the show. I guess that's maybe why they didn't even put them up on stage. It's <laughs> as yet untitled. But anyway, sounds terrific. And I love alternate uni- reality, alternate universe, science fiction type things like that. Um, and by the way, I think you know this is uh, you know Amazon Amazon Prime is is not killing it. Um, but you know, most people aren't subscribing to Amazon Prime for video, or they're not—they're not, they're certainly not subscribing right. to the Amazon Video service. They're getting free shipping, right, or cheap shipping, and then they're getting some TV alongside it, and that lowers the stakes considerably, right? Yeah, I don't know. But so I guess the idea would be that if they include their shows, if they do it, and just say, look, if you if you got a device that plays Apple TV. You could get these Apple TV Plus, but the the fact that they're calling it Plus makes me think they're going to charge for it because there's Apple News and Apple Apple News is free and Apple News yeah. Plus is paid, yeah. and so therefore Apple TV Plus should be paid. Yeah. But yeah. you know, if any company would screw around and be that inconsistent with their names, it would be Apple. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't. I, I. I mean, this is again very insidery, but the Disney thing is going to be called Disney Plus, right? Uh, and who knows what the the thing formerly known as Time Warner thing is going to be called? Someone referred to it as HBO Max today. Yeah, I don't know if it's a real name or not. But someone's got to figure out a different word than Plus. Yeah, well, that was one mystery. But and they're not using the word; they're using the, uh, the yeah, plus the, symbol the sign. Yes, so. to make it more complicated for us. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it was a that. But so yeah, so it it we cut, we go back to where we started, which is we don't know what the point of this is as a business. We don't know what the proposition is as a consumer, and we don't even know what these things are. We saw, I mean, it, it's a shock. They showed us shockingly little stuff. I mean, I, yeah. I I've been thinking about this for a week now. Like, if you're going to get Steven Spielberg and Jennifer Aniston and J.J. Abrams on stage, you're probably only going to get to do it once. You can't bring them back next fall to stand up on stage again and show off their TV shows. So. That's a big ass to get those guys on stage. So to get them up there on a stage and then describe a TV show but not show it, it just seems crazy to me. Yeah, and I'm not familiar with the upfronts. You mentioned the term before, but you know, it, it like you said that they, the my understanding is that typically they'll show uh, the media writers, TV critics, uh, entire episodes. <laughs> Le- the, the, yes, yeah, so the, the, the entire episodes is is usually sort of a rarity. Like, like we're right. so confident we're going to show right. you the entire episode. Usually, it's it's a it's a well produced sizzle reel, and you can right. make anything look good. And it's kind of right. silly to make to to draw conclusions, but it, it is the expectation that you're going to see the thing, and right. at least to get a sense of is it funny, is it dramatic, is it whatever. Uh, none of the above, uh, or a you know a trailer. Right. That would be maybe that's the equivalent of a civil reel. You could at least get a teaser. Right. Which to me is a distinct thing from a trailer. Like a teaser is just. Uh, uh, yeah. I, Get I, me excited. I read the, the Joker, the Joker preview teaser came out right. today. It's mm. great. 
Uh, I don't. I don't know if you've seen it. No, I haven't. It seen It looks yet. great. It looks great, and it's so compelling. And again, I've got no idea if the Joker is going to be a good movie, but yeah. I'm definitely interested in it now based on a two minute clip. It's amazing. What I remember, my favorite teaser was when when George Lucas announced that he was going to re-release the original Star Wars trilogy. And, you know, it's, it's something I'd only seen on a big screen as a little kid. And yeah. and the, the teaser was a TV floating in outer space. I don't know if the TV was actually showing the Star Wars movies, huh. but it was a, like a, a cathode ray tube TV. And it's like, you know, here's what you've seen. And it was, you're, you're in a movie theater. Here's the big teaser. There's a little TV floating in space, starts showing a Star Wars movie. And then an X-Wing fighter blows it up and zooms through real big. Huh. And it's like, great. you know, coming back. Star Wars, you know, there's a teaser, right? Boom. There you go. And it's telling you, here's everything you need to know. It's Star Wars on a big ass screen in a big theater. You're going to love it. But they didn't even do that. They had, (laughs) they had like shots, shots of shows. It was really kind of baffling. And I was following along remotely watching, listening to watching like the, the Twitter and seeing people's reactions. And it was just everybody over and over again saying, they're not going to actually not show the shows, right? They're not going to actually not show the shows, right? Over and over and over. And then it got right. to, towards the end and they're like, they're not going to show the shows. <laughs> again, I mean, I, I'm trying to like spin my way through it or imagine Apple's thinking. And again, when the Steven Spielberg show comes out, they're going to promote the heck out of it and they'll buy TV spots right. and it'll pop up on your phone whether you want to see it or not. And they're really going to push it. And again, People who don't listen to this podcast won't care um, that they had this deeply weird event in March. But I just still don't know why you would do that. And again, it's it's one thing to have Tim Cook come up and say, in the fall, we're going to have this stuff. It's going to be great. Check it out. And then it's another thing to like load up a AAA list stars and, yeah. and have them stand on stage and do that. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Well, <laughs> I don't have much more to add. Other than other than I might have to have you back on the show in the fall. <laughs> I did I, I did ask the Apple folks, what are you doing? And of course, you know, they, they refused to they pretend that, that there was anything weird about it except yeah. that you know, I said I said, look, you know, this is how it's done on the upfronts. So they said, Well, we don't need to do it that way. We're Apple, we're different. Yeah. But, all right. I don't think that's gonna work, but maybe it will. Yeah. Well But yes, I will come back in the fall if you ask me. Peter Kafka, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate your insight. And I am so honestly my my thought here we as we wrap up the show, my thought is I thank God Peter is as confused as I am. <laughs> because I've really spent the last week or so, and again, I was away for the first part of it uh, on a vacation, and I thought maybe I maybe this is why I need to go to these events, because I'm confused. <laughs> You could be equally confused from a remote distance. Yeah. But if you want to hear me being confused on a regular basis, there's Recode Media with Peter Kafka available on whatever podcast app you choose. Uh, including an episode I just with promoted yours, myself. With your, well, it's okay. I was on your show, so they can start by listening to the episode that That's I was a on. Fine, that is still one of our best episodes, by the way. Oh. That's not just flattery. I enjoyed it. It's flattery, but it's true. I hate talking about what I do. I hate talking about myself, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed that episode very much. So You did a good job. Thanks, John. Peter, thank you very much. Thank you.